you're in control of it. Yeah. They're not controlling you yeah. with their. I get very. I come back hot and heavy too, and I know that I should control myself a little bit, but it, uh, yeah. It's just it's so strange to me, like even like like because even when I did that sermon, that hold the line sermon, like yeah. watching people get up and leave. Really? Oh yeah. A lot of people. Not a lot, but just like because we're not like a big church, but I I see people who leave and people that I know. So it's almost like you have to preface the talk Mm -hmm. with, if I say anything that just doesn't hit you right or doesn't Mm -hmm. sound right, would you, and you go into how to handle conflict as Christians, would you respect and and honor me enough? I don't even know if you want to say it that way, Mm -hmm. but would you just come talk to me about it, please? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because again, you want them coming to you because if they don't, because they know they're going to get hit with this opinionated, hot-headed, whatever, mm-hmm. they're just going to go out into the community mm-hmm. and they're going to talk about it. Sure. And now you've got this perception, you ministry, whatever, right. you have this perception in the community that right. you don't even know about, right? you know, but it's widely, right. you know, set. so that's the danger of it, right? right? Absolutely. So it's almost like you just... I was just texting a minute ago because my team is handling a meeting that I would typically do. Sure. Okay. So, you know, they're speaking to 50 people mm-hmm. and they have to learn how to, you know, what they're going to present on and all that. So, yeah. and they're people who support us, but we have to start every meeting with, you know who we are. You've been around us enough, mm-hmm. but if we say anything, if I say anything as a leader that just doesn't hit you right, or you have questions about, it, you've got my cell phone. Mm-hmm. I'd be more than happy to talk with you about it, but not in this confrontational way. Like, yeah. come on, bring it. Yeah, sure. Bring it, because yeah. I'm ready for you. Right. You know, like yeah, sure. they're never going to talk right. to me like that because I'm already sent the message that I don't care what you have to say. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But if you're coming from, you know, hey, I, I, I love you, mm-hmm. and I want us to be able to talk yeah. and and handle this. I had to stop having um, people come to our capital, Christians. Um, you get in the mindset was always like, if enough of us show up yeah. about this bill, or whatever, right. we're going to be able to reverse this. But they would come and and just act so nasty. Sure. Um, yeah. And, and be, you know, they're Very they're upset. Yeah, right. They're upset, right? Right. And they don't know how to talk about something that we disagree on without being upset. Mm-hmm. So I, I I canned all of it, I, and I went back to pastors and said, until we can teach people how to handle conflict according to what God says, yeah. we can't do this because right. this this hurts our witness so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hard stuff. No, absolutely. At what point too do you like? At what point when you're because you know obviously, and we we've we've protested some things in town before mm-hmm. we've gone, but. But at some point, it's like the people that you're even trying to talk to, they're so combative that like it's fruitless to even in a conversation. You know, you can't even have a gentle conversation because they're so violent or they're so combative, or they're so confrontational. And they think you're evil. They, yeah, right. And so they think we're... Do we need to officially start this? We can. Are you I recording? I was going to say, he's probably recording already. Okay. Or maybe, or maybe just say... Why am I let's even just, here? Let's just intro real quick. <laughs> Who's on the pod? Okay, I'll do an intro. You mean do a? You don't even have to do like. Now we're getting fired up. Well, so you don't. I, you don't even. This have, is a good dialogue, though. I you, love this. you don't even have to do like, "Hey guys, welcome to the podcast." Yeah. Like. Who's with us right now, Josh? Sure. Let's answer that question. Uh, who's with us right now is your mom. Uh, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Seriously, though. No way. Uh, we've got Miss Nicole Tice all the way from Delaware joining us today. 
how did I get here? All the way in Arkansas. That's what I ask myself every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's great to be here, yeah. but when you think about the coming together of the states the way that we've had, yeah, right, the most conservative state in the nation being Arkansas, sure. and then coming from one of the blue states right. of the nation being Delaware, That's it's wild. like only God. That's so cool. Only God. Is it the Greens? Is that how we met, y'all? Was it? Um, well, the Greens knew... New was it High the Point? Bartons, yeah. And I was working and with the, the Bartons. Greens. Said High Point will change your kid's life, and okay. they wanted to send their kids. And then yeah. Reagan said, "I don't want to go by myself," and that's how I got here. Okay, because you and Reagan were like close best friends, right? Okay, right. Super cool. Through our leadership congress that we had in Delaware, that's so the awesome. Greens came to Delaware. So we've been working with the. Did Greens. they still do P, uh, PA up yeah, there too? I, that's actually. Are you, you run it? Do you run it? Okay. Our Arkansas so, fan, man, like half the tribe is going to Delaware. I was say Austin, Austin, they're all staying at my house. <laughs> Howie, is that Howie going? Yeah. Austin, okay. Howie, Brody's going. Let's uh, go. A bunch of interns. Yeah. yeah. I would love to come up sometime. I've never been. Dude, it's, it's very awesome. colonial. It's oh, a sure. it's a whole different experience. Come to the beach. Yeah. I've Rip been to Boston. Boston's trashy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rich in history. But yeah, they're all coming, and we're going to the beach, and then we're having steamed crabs. Oh man, come shred the hey. norm, some surfing. Yeah, and, yeah. And then we'll take them all surf. to the airport. <laughs> anyway, it how is, long of a drive is it? It's eighteen hours. We just did it. <sighs> yeah, we're driving to Phoenix in Chris for Christmas, and it's like eighteen hours because that's where my sister lives. And so we we divided it up. Found yeah. a great place to stay. Okay, I may have to hit you up because if we come visit one day, we need like a good place to stop in the middle. We're not in the middle. What? No, I mean to stop like halfway to y'all. If, oh. we, if we drove to oh, see yeah. y'all. Yeah. Have you ever taken your kids to the, the Bass Pro Shop in Memphis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Have you stayed there? It's no, the never mecca. stayed there, but we've been to it. It's like the mecca of all things outdoors. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's, like, it's incredible. When I pray, I face towards <laughs> Oh, gosh. I face no, towards the east. What are you saying right now? <laughs> it is incredible. Yeah. But we've never stayed there. We need to stay there one night. Yeah, you That's definitely cool. do. Stay in a log cabin. What about a. Uh, uh, what is it? The no- Noah's Ark thing in Kentucky? Do is that, it. Is that close? Oh, is that on the way to you? Yeah, we went or is that out of the way? Um, uh, you have to there's go There's probably north. several ways. Yeah. And then come down. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you could do it though. Oh, but do it. Um, sure. This is fantastic. The kids would love it. Yeah. I thought y'all went. I've never been. I've never been to the state of Kentucky. Do it for do it over what? You think a couple days, two or three days? Sure. They have programs for kids. Are y'all, are y'all north or south of Boston? We're south. south. I'm not by, we're by mid-Atlantic quite state, a way, really. Quite My 10-year-old could tell me where it all is. He we're is, probably, what What would you say, like six, seven hours south? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Maybe more than that? Yeah. I don't know. But New it, York? Yeah, that would be about New York four City, hours away. Like, New yeah. York City's four hours away. Three, What's the closest major city to y'all? Baltimore? Major city. Um, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly. Philly is about two hours, and two hours, mm-hmm. or an hour and a half, two That'd hours. That'd be the closest. Okay. It depends on where you live in the state, though. Obviously, sure. if yeah. you live up in the northern part of the state, all of that's within like an, an thirty hour. minutes. Yeah. To, so like, Philly up. is like right there. Okay. Um, but we're in the southern part in God's country, <laughs> the real part. You get to DC in less than three hours. Wow. If there's no traffic incident. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Traffic's crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard DC's a nightmare. It is. But. Anyway. It's, great, it's great to be here, how God worked it all out. The last podcast that we did, I had that moment. I don't remember anything I said that podcast, except I 
I, you were talking, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at you. And I had this moment with the Holy Spirit where he reminded me that I, I prayed for this. That's awesome. I prayed. He, he gave me this glimpse all of a sudden of me on my knees next to my boy's bed because I prayed for my kids every night, you know, mm-hmm. at least for the first 13 years. And then, but I was praying specifically for God to bring other people into his life. And there was always long prayers around that. And then as I'm sitting here all the way in Arkansas, the Lord just gave me that vision. And then I looked at you and started crying. That's awesome. And you're trying to talk to me and I have tears coming down my face. Well, I think we ended up talking about parenting for like, (laughs) for a long time, for like 45 minutes. And it was really amazing. Yeah. I'm going to fix your mic. It blessed my heart so much. I still think about it. I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you. Look how you did that. You're so faithful. Praise the Lord. That you bring people into our kids' lives that they need to give them a word at that moment. And that's what the camp does. Mm-hmm. There's so many times they just need to hear it from other people. Sure. And it's good to be strategic about that, who you are bringing into your kids' lives to create community. Mm-hmm. Purposely do it. And if you can't find... The kind of kids that you're, you know, wanting to create community with, with your own children, imagine how hard it is for them. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's great if we can do it and then see what friendships take off from Absolutely. There. That's so cool. Yeah. Parenting's no joke. It's not. It's hard. Right? <laughs> it's one big self-improvement <laughs> it journey. It is. Oh, my gosh. It is. Yeah. And my, uh, my boys are at the age now where they're like, Dad, you said that we couldn't do this, but you do that. Why do you do that? Uh, why? Like, we why s- do you? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you said we can't say that word, but you said that word. Right? Mm. This is like they're just your little sanctification mirrors. That is well said. <laughs> sanctification mirror. I'm looking at him right now. Oh my word! Sorry. He made me into a great person. <laughs> I had to be on my they, knees. They really do. Yeah. Marriage sanctifies you a lot, and then having kids really does it. It you, does. You have to become a lot less selfish too when you have children. Well, that is the whole journey yeah. of of sacrificial love. Yeah. It's sacrificing self. Yeah. It's always self. Yep. Getting over yourself. Right. Yeah. So true. Well, we've been talking about we got into confrontation a little bit, which I think is good because I'm naturally like I can get really heated. And so, and Noah's seen that firsthand too, where if people come at me with energy, I match it a lot of times. Um, or if even if it's an uncomfortable situation, that kind of like I get riled up, you know, and I get, I think sometimes I'm really zealous about what I believe. And so when I'm, when I'm facing down someone who doesn't believe the way that I do, and I'm like, but this is right. And so I get very like, you know, no matter what. And so how do you, how do you approach that? Like, how do you, and I, obviously I guess I'd be in spirit led in some ways, but how do you approach someone who is just completely on the other side of what you believe? And, you know, you're organizing and trying to get legislation passed through. And, you know, you're saying if enough of us, you know, you've had people where it's like, if enough of us show up and show out, like, we'll get it. And it's like, that's not always the way that works. But how do we also like at the same time, like, love these people? How do we communicate that? How do I calm myself down? Yes. yes. (laughs) I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. Because this has been a journey, and I mean, folks can't see us right now, typically. But real, real quick, just say in like one sentence, because it's been like well, almost like a year or two years since we've had mom on, which is crazy to think about. But in one yeah, sentence, kind of just say what you do, mom, and then uh, okay. and then, and then get, answer my question, and then answer Josh's <laughs> okay. question. So, let me just give context. This is the framework I'm coming from because I'm the president and founder of Delaware Family Policy Council. And 
I'm part of the Family Policy Council network. And so there are right now probably 40 of us across the nation. Sure. And there's only one in each state. And we are the recognized kind of boots on the ground, you know, when it comes to standing up for the family, to elevating the mm-hmm. family. Um, the family is the epicenter of everything. It is right. the cornerstone for freedom. It's, you know, if you have strong families, you're going to have strong everything. Yep. But if you've got the breakdown of the family, which we have, you know, across the nation, then all of these other problems are going to follow. So we work with organizations like Focus on the Family and um, Alliance Defending Freedoms, primary number one, and um, Family Research Council. But there is an, uh, an alliance we're all part of. Um, we're part of the Family Policy Alliance. And so you folks can go to familypolicyalliance.org and see who is the state ally. Just click on allies to see who is it in your state that's holding the line. So here in Arkansas, you've had an organization here for over 30 years. Yeah, a long time. And they have been holding the line. The, the reason why this state is still and is such a conservative, wonderful state um, is because you go into that office um, of that family policy council that's run by Mr. Jerry Cox, great man. He's been there for a long time. But you go into that office and you look over on the, on the left on the wall and you will see at least 50 policies that are framed and cover the whole wall of things that they have done to secure our rights as parents, our freedom, our freedoms in the state of Arkansas, they've done incredible, it's fantastic work. Sure. And so they've been there consistent day in, day out when your legislature is is in session and they are working with allies and they are just doing the heavy, hard work, heavy lifting of uh, getting these these good policies passed that secure your right uh, to your to your land, to educate the kids the way that you are. Um, now, that's uh, to have the governor that you have. Yeah, praise you, Jesus. She's awesome. Yeah, that is. Well, that I was going to say, we so were, many of us. Arkansas was a really. We were a pretty blue state for a long time mm-hmm. too, back in the nineties, eighties, and nineties. Really? See, yeah. I don't know all that Arkansas. Yeah, Jerry history. actually like. He probably helped. He helped move us, transform into us into a red state. So, cause, oh yeah, because yeah. when Huckabee, when when Sarah's dad came in, we were a pretty blue. We'd been a blue well, state yeah. for a long time. You did produce the Clintons, and uh, yeah, that's what. I was, yeah, we were really. Which I will say, blue states then were different than that's they are true. now. You Absolutely. know, we. So yeah. you've you've probably got quite. I feel like a lot of people, the Democrat Party, left them. You know. Um, yeah, they were more liberal then. Where yeah. now we, what we're experiencing is um, leftist ideology. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. It used to be that we could even we could sit and have a conversation with someone who had who maybe called themselves more liberal, sure. liberal Democrat. We could at least have a conversation. Right. We we at least believed in the Constitution. Where now we can't even have the conversation because mm-hmm. we have millennials that are coming into these. Um, positions now, and they're coming from a framework, and um, and their understanding is that the Constitution and our nation were bad. Yeah, we need to burn it all down. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, rebuild and, something. And, and, and rebuild it in <laughs> their own it, yeah. image. You know, or something. Yeah. So, so now we can't even have the conversations. Back yeah. to what you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? Your question of how do we talk to people yeah. that literally they're looking at us as evil, right? Because we're not going along with their ideology, and and they they think that we mean them harm. So, yeah, I get that. It's like I they think I hate them, or like, well, like people will commit suicide. Like if you disagree with them, and it's like, right. 
What? Like what? In the so world? you start to see that they're operating under such deception. And if you start looking at the organizations that they're following, it's very emotionally exploitive. And they raise money on it. Yeah. They have to make people believe that people hate them and that those organizations are their protector. Wow. Right? And they're going to give money to them, support them. And I've been watching this trend for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have somebody in your family, let's say, and um, they start, you know, believing some of these things about themselves. And you can't, and, and you try to talk to them about it. And because you disagree, they believe that you hate them, just what you said. Yeah. How horrible is that, that you can't even have the conversation? And you're looking at them, and I've done this a couple of times, and let's back this up a little bit. Who told you that I would hate you just if just because we have a disagreement about right. this? Where did you pick that up? And just start asking questions mm-hmm. of what is informing their worldview. And understand, when you are talking with somebody, you're literally coming from two different, very... A different understanding of of the world. So it's good to ask questions to kind of dissect what someone's worldview is. That's why it's good to take kids through the process of understanding what are the different worldviews so I can at least assess who I'm talking to right. here, right? Instead of like hitting them with that same energy. Right. So, but back to your question, you asked, how do you do that? How, you know, because and you have to dissect that. Do I feel attacked right now? Is that why I'm responding to that energy the same way? Well, why would I feel attacked by what they're saying right now? And just, just, I had to grow in this area a sure. lot. And I had to ultimately ask myself, do I love them? Yeah. Do I really love this person? That Am I really trying to minister to them? Mm-hmm. Or do I just need to be right? Yeah. So part of our journey as Christians is putting up on the altar sure. our need to be right. For sure. And I... That's so good because that's a, that's a big that's part of hard. my personality is like I I want to be right and I'm so obviously like I'm so sold out to biblical authority that I'm like there's just you know nothing else like this is it this is the line this is like you know and for you to come again I feel like you're you know I feel like that person is a te- I don't know why I take it so personal sometimes and so I've got to calm myself down many times um, but I'll say like a lot like I love the worldview taught thought there because I I will say like. Oftentimes when I enter in dialogue with people, it usually comes back to that. What is the ultimate presupposition here? That's right. I believe that scripture is the ultimate authority for my life and you don't, you know? And so it's like, so what is, so then I try to go into what is your authority? Where do you get that? Yes. And I start asking those questions like, well, it's this study or it's this guy with this PhD or it's this university that did this. And I'm like, okay, well... Who died and made them God? Like where did like and and what happens if somebody disagrees with them? Because to me, like that's where I really can start to unravel somebody's worldview talking and dialoguing mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. is when I get into, well, then that's just your opinion against their opinion. And who really defines truth for you? Right. That's a great question to ask somebody. And usually it comes back to, well, I do. Right. And that's where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I, there's this great book that's out right now that really lays this out well, this framework. And it's by Carl Truman. It's called Strange New World. I think you recommended that. To it's me. all. Yeah. It's not real thick, but the concepts of when people are asking what in the world is going on right now, it's this total worship of self. Mm-hmm. That's why people are so offended. You know, everything's about them and how mm-hmm. they feel. We were just debating last week assisted suicide in Delaware. Wow! Right, and and this has been going on for almost a decade. Is it for just any age? 
Like if you want to, they didn't put an age on it. It's a, if you have a terminal illness. Okay, it's terminal illness. If but it's you're not, diagnosed, okay. you know, within six months you're going to die. Okay, we know how many times that's been wrong. Sure, but it all, you know, just just take the pills and die peacefully mm-hmm. is what they're trying to pitch, what mm-hmm. they're trying to sell. So, but as we were listening to the arguments, it was all about self, self autonomy. Uh, uh, being true to my authentic self. Um, But a lot of it, all of those um, personal autonomy arguments are all coming from that framework of of self. And that nothing that I'm doing affects anybody else. Right. So, but that's what we were up against. And so every argument that they gave was, it was everything was based on emotions. And who am I to tell you that you can't feel that way or shouldn't feel that way? Right. And if you want to uh, take these pills and commit suicide, uh, then you should have the freedom to do right. that. So many mixed messages. Sure. When suicide is, I think, the number one uh, killer among our, our young people. Yeah. And it all goes back to value of life, purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and obviously this is, that's the main deal with, you know, all of the, the gender ideology right now and, you know, all the, which I, I love, was it uh, SB 14 we were praying for last week in Texas got mm-hmm. passed, which was awesome. Um, but uh, but obviously you see in Washington where, it's, you know, it got passed that they can, I can't remember what that bill was called, but they can come and take your children away from you mm-hmm. as a parent. And if Minnesota you de- too. If you deny them access to puberty blocking hormones or yeah. transition surgeries or whatever. Yeah. But again, that all comes back to, well, it's me itself. It's like what I want to do. Why does that affect you? And you're, you hate me if you don't let me be who I want to be. You mean me harm. Right. Yeah. And so how, do, so what is that, you know, with the assisted suicide, with the gender stuff, with, and even abortion, you know, it's all about me and my life and my choice and my whatever. And, yeah. and, uh, and so what, it, what are the arguments that y'all bring forward? What is the reasoning that you bring to them, because obviously you're debating with people who aren't believers, who aren't Christians, or if they say they are, they have seriously. And a lot <laughs> of them say that they, they are did, right, and they they have seriously misinterpreted scripture. So, what is as you know, um, you know, Delaware uh, Family Policy Council? What is what do y'all bring? How do you combat those types of ideologies? Well, first of all, in a state like ours, we are completely outnumbered. Oh, sure. Okay, and so in there. And even people who would say that they're Christian and believe God's word, and they don't know how to com- combat this, and it, and it's saturated. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all over our school system. It's all over uh, the algorithms of you know. As soon as you look up one thing, you mm-hmm. know, as a kid, you're going to get hit with these algorithms everywhere. And we're coming into Pride Month, mm-hmm. right in June, so it'll be plastered in every hospital. Uh, every Jeez. where you go, you know, we've got entire industries that are. Which um, it's bad in Arkansas too, so I can't imagine what it's right. like. I would times it by twenty. Probably. Wow. Yeah, because because the the people who are running all the inst- these main institutions in our state, I would call them activists. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I would um, because I I believe that they probably, yeah. I would call them activists. Absolutely. So you, when you've got activists kind of running your hospitals and, and you know, and really bullying people, mm-hmm. so if people don't go along with it, you know, they're, they're going to dox you. They're going to come after you. So people, uh, you have to have courage if you're going to stand up against that. Right. And most people don't because in a state like ours, they believe it will affect their livelihood. And in some cases, that is the reality. Right. It will. So... 
cancel culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been living under that for since we got started. Sure. It's it's been prevalent in our state, especially a small state, mm-hmm. right? Where it's everybody knows everybody, sort of. But right. but to answer your question, um, I'm gonna say when you are outnumbered and some people get extremely discouraged by that, you really do have to look higher and go deeper, as my friend Bob Vanderplatt says in a, from our Ohio sister organization. And I'm going to bring that up in a minute because I learned something really valuable at that um, at the Iowa Family Policy Council. Okay. It's called the Family Leader. But, um, and that is when our trust cannot be in government or as some people say, politics. Uh, you and I have talked about this. I don't ever. I don't use the word politics mm-hmm. because of the mixed up ideas people have about that. It's government, yeah. and and we've been called to influence government. Right. God cares about government. God created, instituted government. Right. So, um, we have to the, in the way that we're approaching this in Delaware, especially now, is we have full time missionaries now in our legislature. Because it is a dark place, and mm-hmm. those people have needs, they have questions, and we need to we need to be present and be that person who will love them, whatever their opinions are, that they feel quote safe going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but people who first and foremost are going to um, be loving mm-hmm. and listening, and then as God leads them, be able to start to ask those questions and minister them. So people who are very grounded Mm -hmm. to go into that atmosphere with all of the influences that are there. Mm -hmm. And I believe a lot of very much demonic influences there. So we have people that, that go in now and, and that's very exciting. The kind of conversations and things that are taking place, they're missionaries. Mm -hmm. We have uh, now a Bible study every Thursday that we invite all legislators to, especially those who are professing Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it's a very substantive Bible study. It's good stuff. It's awesome. And that's every week. And while that Bible study is going on, we have um, a whole prayer network, and they're praying the whole time. We are prayers the tip of the spear, and, yeah. and the only way we are going to make any change in a state like that is is through prayer through faith and um, being present. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of our mission is to help pastors see government as a mission field and to get them present, just coming and and being willing to just have relationship with all of your elected officials. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be great if they all knew you by name Mm -hmm. and you had all their cell phone numbers and you were in in sincere relationship with them? Mm And that goes back to how do we see ourselves as the church? Right. Is church a lifestyle? And we just go to the four to the building, you know, the four walls, yeah. and now we feel good about it. Or is being a Christian? Do we understand that what God's word says about that, right. and it influences every part of our lives? Right. So no. that's where we have to get to if we want to see any kind of change. No, for sure. No, that's great. Um, <clears throat> What, uh, how do you, so you say like you've got missionaries in there. What does that look like? Are they just legislators? Are they, how do you get these, how, how can you get somebody on the inside? Or is that privy information that they undercover? (laughs) Sure. Well, uh, we, first of all, 
our organization really works to strengthen believers. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone wants to is called to stand, we're all called to stand with courage. Right. But when somebody's in a situation and they need to step out and they want to do it the right way, that's usually when we get the phone call. Okay. And so we we do need to role play a little bit and understand the landscape and know what would be effective uh, as somebody steps out uh, to confront something. For sure. And when they do, we are there with them. Mm -hmm. We give them support as much as we can. And recently we had a a mayor of a little small city in Delaware. Uh, The largest Planned Parenthood in the state was built right in that conservative, I'd say, corridor there in Delaware. So, uh, and it bothered a lot of people. I mean, it is a state-of-the-art surgical abortion center. Wow. And so what he studied and did is he found um, somewhere in Indiana where they passed an ordinance that would at least require that if an abortion's done within city limits, they would have to treat those remains in a dignified manner and have to treat them as human. Wow. And right now, uh, in our state, in many states, unborn children are looked at as property, and you can do whatever you want with them. Wow. And there was a time when, you know, whenever you dehumanize yeah. people, make them property right. to do whatever you want, mm-hmm. come on, we've been there before, right. right? So, but that is the mindset. And he wanted to pass an ordinance that said, no, these are human beings, these are human remains, and we are going to require that they are handled in a dignified manner. Well, you know, everybody freaked out about sure. that, right? How dare you recognize unborn children as as people, mm-hmm. as human? And so he, there are all kinds of threats came through about that, but he carried it out. He, ha- he felt right. like he had to do that as a matter of conscience. So it did pass this, the little city... Uh, county, the little city council, like three to two. All right. Uh, those men stood, and and then um, the attorney general of the state sued this little city oh and gosh. sued the mayor. And so we said, we're we're there with you. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we'll pay for the lawsuit. Wow. There, you don't have to be like in yeah. their face and just right. We'll pay for the lawsuit. Yeah. You know, because this is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and we did. That's awesome. Fifty thousand some dollars later. Sure. Um, but it was it was right. But when your whole the own your own state is working against right. Yeah, and we and we felt like we couldn't get a fair yeah a fair look at it. But what was most important, and that is that we stood with that mayor, and he wasn't at it al- alone. Yeah. And um, it was something that brought a lot of unity to uh, to the pro life folks in Delaware. Uh, and we're just going to keep on doing it. That's great. So a couple questions. Um, well, I guess same question, but across the board. How does like your layman, you know, your electrician or your, your plumber or your stay-at-home mom or your college student or whoever who's not necessarily has a position and they work a nine-to-five and they've got kids, they've got whatever, what what can they do besides pray and vote? What oh, other such a great question. What, what other actions? Because yeah. obviously, you know, I think a lot of believers like the – would have a foundational issue. Okay, I yeah. can pray and I can vote. And I know those are important. Those are yeah. huge. But what else can I do? Yeah. We to could talk about that for a few hours. Sure. But let me just go back <laughs> to what you you asked before. We do have hired people now okay. into the legislature that are there full time. Awesome. Working with pastors, working with legislators, and encouraging pastors to come to that front. 
Mm-hmm. This is your mission field. Look at it as a domestic mission, whatever you have to do, but you need to be supporting what's going on there in terms of ministry. Okay. Because we have been absent from it mm-hmm. for so long, Josh, and when there's an absence of light, the darkness just takes over. Oh, yeah. So then we want to let good people, right? We're going to send them into that with no support. Mm-hmm. And it means crazy what goes on there and the amount of discouragement that they feel. But you know you can you can go in the battle when you know you've got somebody capable who knows this front sure. who can help you in this and give you the support you need. So you need pastors that are having relationships with these legislators who are standing up. They need Absolutely. to be prayer partners with them. Have what do you need? How can I pray them? for your right. family? Right. What's going on with you? How can I support right. you? I mean, to have that kind of relationship where you can go in and mm-hmm. bless them would be a great exercise for some interns. For sure. Because when you step into that arena, you know, you, you got to know how to present yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to, you know, uh, folks are going to know that you're there. So it's just an amazing ministry opportunity. Absolutely. So I wanted to make sure I answered that no, question. But to go back to what you were saying, uh, to what you asked about what can we do in our sphere of influence to make a difference. Oh my goodness, what we do with our kids, first of all, is building the wall, if you will, metaphorically around our own family Mm -hmm. and understanding what the threats are. And that's the most important thing. And I find, let me just start with parents. Parents are struggling in understanding what the threat is. You know, you, you, if you know what the threat is and you know, you can get a plan to how to protect your family, how to protect your kids, how to prepare your kids. But when you don't know that what that is, then you've got gaping holes for the enemy to come in and influence the thinking of your kids. It could be people who are influencers. It could be definitely those devices and what they're watching, um, what they're learning in school, uh, what they're picking up from their little peer group, all of those things. So as parents, you feel that burden, okay, I need to inoculate my kids. Right. How do I not inoculate them with the truth that when they hear these things coming, you know, that that they maybe have pause and we teach them that if you hear anything that just doesn't sound right to you, let's talk about it. Come on, I'll take you out, you know, go take them to their favorite place to get breakfast or their favorite slushy, whatever, you right, know. Right, sure. Whatever gets them talking to you so that they can uh, process this out. You want your kids processing things out with you. So they're going to be doing that most of the time when you're driving in the vehicle Mm-hmm. And when it's time to go to bed, mm-hmm. oh boy, they'll bring it out oh, then, sure. right? And when you're most tired, right? <laughs> but those are the times when it comes out the most, sure. Or you have one-on-one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, first of all, parents take advantage of that. So you got to watch their influences, where they go to school, which yes. I would advise all believers to just really abandon public schools, or for to not have your kids there anyway. Because I don't, there. I don't think, not that I, because I still, you know, Chloe and I who do youth ministry here, like we're still invading the public school space. But, um, so I, because I, I'm not going to get knocked off by anything. I'm not going to get influenced by anything. But I don't think that an eight year old is ready. That's right. Their worldview yeah. isn't formed. Right. How in the world can we put them in that, in that environment? Eight hours. Either a day. they're going to be influenced, right. and they're not strong enough to influence. Mm-hmm. Their worldview isn't solidified enough. Absolutely. So Not now. What, now it's now it's crazy. They're, they're full on telling you right now yep. with DEI, the diversity, equity, and yep. inclusion. And when you look at what that agenda is and what they have the, all this money now to use to teach, and they and they have woven it into every subject matter. Oh yeah, yep. you, you can't do that. So, but here's my question about Christian education, which I'm a huge supporter of. Sure. 
you have to really look at where are those teachers coming from mm-hmm. and what is their worldview. Absolutely. And you can't assume it's a Christian worldview. For sure. We've gotten caught in this thing with educating our kids where if we teach the same subject matter and we just slap some scriptures on it, right. that now it's Christian education. Yeah, sure. No, that's not... Oh, say that again, please. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. <laughs> okay. It's so true. Christian education is not using the same framework and right. sources of our secular counterpart Absolutely. and then just slapping scriptures on it or having a Bible class and think that's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Our teachers need to be trained mm-hmm. uh, in biblical worldview. We need to understand where do they get educated because if they're coming from a, a secular university... Right. You know, everyone's on a different part of their biblical worldview journey, right? right? We're all at different places. We're always learning. But you need to find out where they are, Mm -hmm. you know, what their understanding is of all these major issues we're dealing with right now. And so so being able to put in the funding to develop the teachers, Mm -hmm. um, pull them off, you know, every quarter where they're getting biblical worldview teaching and nourishment and refreshment themselves, because we can't count on all churches to do that. Right? right, especially if churches are just kind of speaking topically and not digging down and really getting down into Bible study, mm-hmm. um, and then how you relate that to the issues of our day. Yeah. So you've got the teacher issue, then you've got the whole curriculum issue, mm-hmm. and and some people are thinking, well, you know, math is math, and you know, uh, but even going and it is math is a beautiful way to communicate a biblical Truth. worldview. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. I mean, beautiful. Uh-huh. I never understood that yeah. before, and just the order of how Absolutely. God has made things. It's so cool. It is really, and then in the way we teach every subject, we can take it back to a biblical worldview. But that takes training and understanding. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we look at Christian education, we really need to ask: Do these kids have a safe place to ask us hard questions, and can our teachers handle it? Mm-hmm. Do we know how to navigate them? What I found in parenting is that every time my kids asked me a hard question, they were hearing it from somewhere else a lot of times, and or maybe they thought, thought it up a few times, you know, for sure. But if I couldn't give them a solid enough answer, then they were susceptible. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be able to give them a solid enough answer that they could turn around and say to a peer on social media... And they, they they would find their footing. Absolutely. And be like, yeah, okay. For sure. I, I got that argument. I, I I take that approach as a Bible teacher too, because I you know, I, I want my high school students to ask me the hard questions. I want them to ask me what they don't understand. And so and when they ask me something I don't know, I am about to spend the next three days studying it. That's right. <laughs> That's why parenting is so hard because yeah. we don't know. We didn't yeah. have to answer these questions. Right. We didn't have all this. Yeah. Well, maybe you did, but this just absolute saturation of uh, these outside influences of social media. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did actually. Even when I was in high school, social media was like nobody was on it yet. Okay, it and so now there's yet. AI. Yeah, right. right. Now there's AI writing papers and doing doing everything. Yep. You know, and it's completely unregulated. Yep. Scariest thing ever. Yep. Talk about. Something made in the image of man that can right. give you whatever answer you want. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy. <laughs> so we need a lot of wisdom. And so, so even if we, wherever you're sending your kid to be educated, so you've got to be sure, like, yeah, what's the worldview of and your so teachers? And so I wanted to there. speak to parents. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and taking advantage of every opportunity to build that worldview. Okay, well, as a parent, it's like I don't even know what my worldview is. Sure. Okay. Well, 
great. Get That's when we've got to get connected to the right resources and we've got to get connected with the right people. And it was challenging for me, Josh, because a lot of the people that maybe I was running with when my kids were first born and we were doing life together when they were little, once middle school came and once high school came, there was a divide. Oh, sure. Right. And, and, and it got really hard. And I had to, you have to go and find those people who will run with you and have the same goals. And it might not be a whole group. It could be just a couple families, but you, but pray about it and you will find, God will lead you. you. God knows your heart to want to raise these children the right way in the way that he has um, told us and given us. These children are a gift. We have them for such a short amount of time. Right. But I believe, I know he did for, for us, that he he brought people here, there, even if it means going to Arkansas from Delaware, <laughs> you know? Um, but God is faithful. Yeah. He, he is faithful. What would be like a n- number one resource, like if a parent came and asked you, like, okay, I want to learn worldview. I want to be able to teach it to my kids. Or I want to recommend this to a Christian school. Or I want to implement this in my homeschooling. What would be like number one resource that you would point them towards? There's a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, but number one right now is Summit Ministries. Summit's great, out of Colorado. And they are continuously improving. Mm-hmm. They are approachable. They've got a great team. Um, What's the guy? Is it Jeff Myers? Jeff, Dr. Yeah. Jeff Myers. He's the man. Yeah, he is. And I, I believe that they've they've got great material. And But start running with people who are using that. And, um, you know, we've got somebody in our state that, that God brought into our state that's been a great gift to Christian educators, Dr. Roger Erdvig, uh, who now has been hired full-time by Summit Ministries. Awesome. And he will be directing the Biblical Worldview Institute there. Wow. And our, our goal, our, the goal is to create Biblical Worldview standards by grade. Sweet. Uh, you can't assume Christian, Christian schools have it, mm-hmm. right? So what does that look like? What does it look like to be training our kids according, not according to the SAT, the ACT, and you know yes. all these different uh, measurements that the world has given? It doesn't mean, when I hear these big Christian schools talk about their accreditations and their ACT scores and how many of their students go to college, like, I don't care about none of that. Like, a lot of that is just... <laughs> Who cares? Like that, I, I don't want to be. I don't want a standard from the world. Yeah, but if we've trained them with excellence and how to think, yes, I think they're going to be able to totally conquer yeah. what the world puts out there. Absolutely, you know. So for sure, and people are going to want our kids on their team. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I used it with with my. If you have good character, and I, I'd always tell Noah this and Ray, if you have good character, you know, do what you say, say what you mean. Mean what you say, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and we teach them what character and integrity means because it's so hard. But we, because again, it's all mm-hmm. go, it comes back to to self and denying self, yeah. you know. But we teach them those things, teach them how to work hard. Um, people are going to want them on their team. They're going to have more opportunities Absolutely. than they know what to do with, Absolutely. and they're going to be going, okay, which which road do I take? So I've just seen, no matter what, no matter what era of time we're in, those things hold true. So, but back to your question about people who are in business, people who are, you know, it seems like they don't get to do quote unquote ministry. Oh boy, I say anywhere you are, you are on assignment. Absolutely. Every person who comes into your path, you are on assignment. If you're driving that truck to work and you've got co-workers with you or employees, you are on assignment. 
And so our biggest task, our biggest calling is to live out God's word in front of other people. That's great. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect. But if we at least show humility and, and no, I'm not perfect, I messed that up. But, you know, and let them see how you work that out. Right. You know, because you are human. And I, I have just learned because I, I thought that you had to have this system and you had to have this perfect response to everything. And that would hold me up so much from mentoring and discipling other people. But I found that just letting them into my life and um, doing life with them and letting them um, watch me go to the Lord about everything, even the way we pray, mm-hmm. uh, the way we read the Word, the way we um, distill information, the way that translate into our family. And if they see something that's not in alignment, tell me, tell me that's I'm out of alignment. Yeah. You know, I need to take that to the Lord because because I want to, you know, I want to do this well because I love them. Right. Because I love them, and it's not about performance. And we're always giving a reason for the hope that we have. First right. Peter three fifteen. Wonderful. First Peter three is all wonderful, but uh, really being able to to do that. Right. Why do I have this? Why do I love him? Mm-hmm. Why? That's so good. And I think uh, I think too about Matthew five, where Jesus talks about you're the salt of the earth. You know, you're you are the salt of the earth. You're a city on a hill, so you're the light of the world. And it's just living this out every single day or, or with the people that you're around, um, no matter what it costs you. That's what's hard is people are afraid. They are. They're afraid of cancel culture. They're afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of whatever. And I get those. Those are real just fears. Not those being are being liked. Yeah. We just we just want to be liked. Yeah. We want peace. Yeah. We don't want conflict. Yeah. But yeah. it's coming. I like there is to me, there's no longer like it's no longer tolerance. It's no longer putting up with. It's no longer like they want you to step in and affirm and celebrate. And if you don't well, it's a religion. Yep. Yeah. It's a whole Ideology, it's it's to that point. The yeah. whole climate religion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All of that's connected. Yeah. Oh, for right? sure. Um, Population control. Oh my gosh. Just it, it it's all interwoven together. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to look at this stuff every day. Oh, sure. So that I can distill it down in the simplest terms for the people who are, are getting news from us and are watching, trying to, you know, understand what's happening in our state. So so, so and so you think about even because we only have our kids for so long. That's right. We only have our kids for so long. And so parents may have this down. You know, They may have the worldview. They may do the training. You may do the homeschooling or whatever. But then your kids are going to go into the world. They're going to go to college or trade school or the workforce or whatever. And now they're going to be surrounded by... Other Everything. Inf- other influences. Yeah. And so even being a you know a Bible teacher at a Christian school, well, we're t- we teach a lot of worldview stuff. I teach a ton of worldview stuff. I use... Sources like Summit and uh, one that I use quite a bit is Theosu. I use these different um, resources to teach our kids. Um, but I still see so many go to college or they get even just a normal job and they get caught up in what Paul says in Colossians is high sounding nonsense, you know, deceptive, empty human philosophies. Mm-hmm. So they get tricked so easy and it's like, man, I feel like I prepared you so well. I feel like I gave you, you know, we talked about all of these things, but then it's like, once they get out of their Christian school bubble or their homeschool family co-op or whatever, and then they get around other people who believe differently, it's like all of a sudden they're just, they get swept away in it. Maybe not right away, but over, you know, so what, what would your advice be on helping better prepare or even maybe encouraging that college student 
or young adult who is surrounded by that right now? Yeah, a couple things. Let me back it up a little bit. Um, I think that as a parent, there have been so many times that I have spoken things to my children and I thought it was so good what I just said. <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, wow. Like, I'll be listening to myself going, oh, I just rocked that. I just conquered that. that this was, is supernatural was wisdom right yeah. here. Yeah. But there's a difference between what I say and what they receive. Mm-hmm. And I have found at times that there are gaping holes because I'm not really, un- really understanding where they are right now and what's going on in their heads. So my prayer is always, Lord, help me to know what's in his heart and mind, what's in her heart and mind, and then help me to know how to shepherd them. And So there's a twofold question because sometimes you'll get a glimpse of what's in there and you're like, Lord Jesus, I don't even know how to speak sure, to this, right? Yeah. But but really asking the Lord to give you that wisdom that you need and, and always being open and looking for it where you need to be uh, educated yourself. But mm-hmm. so you, what you said was you're giving them all that you've got mm-hmm. and you're constantly trying to grow yourself so you can give. But, but we, what we have to do is kind of test transmission mm-hmm. um, because if they're not owning it, they don't, they don't have it. Sure. So there's two words that keep going around in my head so much. And we talked about this a little bit before, but I just can't get away from it. Because there's so much coming at our kids right now and coming at, it's not just kids, it's everybody. And as Christian leaders, it's, it's my two words are appetites and algorithms. Hmm. And so I can't, I couldn't teach my kids everything, but I at least wanted to give them an appetite for the truth. That's and true. if I could give them the appetite for the truth, if I could transfer that, then I know that they were going to look for it in the right places. That's great. And they would know what questions to ask. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> let, let me just let me just create enough doubt in what the high-minded people are saying right now. And you know, you've met my kids now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not going to be much to get past this one right here. Mm-hmm. He's going to question it. Right. That means, as a parent, as a parent, I was on the stand all the time <laughs> as Yo, he sure, was questioning yeah. me. Right. Yeah. Right. Noah? <laughs> but if I couldn't get the answer, I or if we couldn't get the answer, we needed to find other people who could who could, because he was going to hear it more anyway from some of those peer, some of those other, you know, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so always be cultivating an appetite for the truth. And when they ask you questions and if you're ugly about it, that's not cultivating an appetite. Yeah. So teaching them how to ask good questions to get to the truth and helping them see how God's plan and design is so beautiful, constantly be showing them how beautiful it is in every subject, in nature, in biology. You know, um, Focus on the Family Adventures and Odyssey puts out something for kids that is so good called the Truth Chronicles. The Truth Chronicles and the way that it explains just the foundation of truth. I would say listen to that as much as you can and sure. get your kids on it. You know, I would say you start Adventures and I say you're around seven years old, but it's just so it sticks in their little minds and you have stuff to talk to them about. We watch, uh, have you seen the Tuttle Twins? Yeah. So we have yeah, all their books stuff. and then we watch their, uh, uh, their little cartoon show yeah. too, which a lot of their stuff, they don't bring like a whole lot of script. They don't do like a whole lot of scripture and stuff, but it's just like, it teaches just good yeah. moral principles 
um, but then what if you backed it economic up? Economic principles. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Then you back it up right. with with the scripture, but give them that firm foundation. Adventures in Odyssey, Truth Chronicles. Yeah, the Truth okay. Chronicles. It was done a long time ago, but man, sure. I never got that education, <laughs> and here I am listening to it. You know, yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is for middle school. You know, right. younger, we were, we and I'm all... like on my fifth time listening to it. You know, yeah, we were watching Tuttle Twins the other night, and they were talking about why is inflation a thing, and I was like, I'm learning stuff right now. That's <laughs> this right. Is That's so right. good. Yeah. That's that's good. I need to get that one. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Like teaching them how to apply biblical mm-hmm. principle because it's true in every area of life. Okay. I always thought too that it was never satisfactory for me growing up for um, like mom had to also show us the Bible is infallible, you know, like it is because truth. naturally I feel like the human condition is we're going to doubt that. Mm-hmm. And so... I feel like every chance it was, hey, just so you know, this is what the Bible says, and look how this is playing out. It's almost like the Bible's right, right? <laughs> you know, because I feel like naturally parents just assume that if they just if they say, well, we don't do this because the Bible says so, okay, that's not going to work because your kid's smarter than that, you know? Like you have to actually have a defense for the hope that is in you yeah. because you got to think the natural inkling of your child is not to believe in Scripture. But you also have to say what's in scripture, the systems that God has set in place, they work every time, yeah. you know? And so you have to show them those. That's big. Examples. That's why one thing that I try to teach a lot is like we give explanations. We don't give demonstration a lot. And so, you know, one thing that we are trying, because, you know, our kids will be like, oh, my head hurts or whatever. And so we pray for it. And it's like, well, dad, my, you know, my sinuses are still whatever. And it's like, and so we pray for healing. But to get a kid to believe in healing, like they've got to see, I believe they need to see the miracles too. And so like whenever we have people that do get healed, like I, as much as I can, I want to expose my kids to that. I want to expose my kids to like God's word working in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me just build on that. Go ahead. Because yeah, go ahead. The, my kids may not have seen this um, dramatic, miraculous healing, but they've seen where God has orchestrated some things that just cannot be explained Absolutely. any other way. Mm-hmm. And it's been great to constantly talk about that, you know, and how if I hadn't been there or I hadn't said yes to this over here, then this whole chain of events would have never have happened. And look what God has done Mm -hmm. through these chain of events that we're just scratching our heads going, how in the world did that take place, you know? But this constant story after story of the way God connects us in community, and I think when we're in community, which you all are so great about talking about here and doing that it we get more opportunities for seeing demonstrations like you're talking about. So if God does something big in your life yep. and you talk about it and you tell us about it, it's almost like a, I call them rock piles of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, so now altar. Yeah, there's a big rock you just gave me to put in my rock pile be so that when I start to doubt, yeah. I'm gonna remember what's in my rock pile. Absolutely. Now I've done that literally physically yeah. and we have a huge rock pile in our in I our love house. It. <laughs> I love and it. and there are times I'll be going through something that is so hard. Yeah. And I'll need to I'll just walk by and I'll glance at the rock pile and I'll go remember my little, little stones. Yeah. The altars of memorials, rem- yeah. Yeah. The memorials of remember altar of remembrance. Um, Stones of Remembrance. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah. And so every year as a family, uh, every Christmas now, now that we're all adults, we'll sit around and we'll say, what were the stones this year? Come on. And write them down. They'll write them down. Throw them in the pot. They will. They'll put them on the the big stone collection we have as a family because one day 
I'm going to be able to explain to my grandchildren what that is yeah. and all the ways that God was has been faithful to our family. So that's a good way to record your demonstrations Absolutely, because you will forget. That's so good. Yeah. And I've got like just personal testimony with my own kids. Like I've got a kid, um, Judah, my second oldest, he's very like, he's very emotional. And so um, he's very passionate. And so like, he's uh he's like my worshiper. He reminds me of like, mm. like shepherd boy, David, that's him. He's also the one that gets in trouble a lot too. <laughs> Middle child. But, uh, but like, wow. I mean, he's the one that will cry while I preach and just like during worship, raise his hands and be like, I felt God touch me today. And then, and then my oldest Micah, he's my intellectual one. He's yeah. like, I, I, I want to see it. I want to um, figure it all out with my brain. He's this guy, you know, he wants to figure it out with his brain. And so, um, you know, just the Micah difference was, in. He'll just be sitting there. He will. Just blink at you. <laughs> he so does. So it's great. Imagine starting a Bible study for for little guys like that. That'd be cool. You know mm, the the case cool. for Christ. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Or helping them learn how to how to see uh, the nature of God and everything around them. Yeah. The image of God. I love that. Wow. That is a. They'll always remember that, especially if it's coming from. Yeah. A guy they look so, they look up to. So Judah is your your passionate. He's one. my feeler. Micah is your more your thinker. Yeah, it, which is funny too because Judah is usually the one who is in trouble more, right? And Micah's the one like if we tell him to do it, I mean he stops what he's doing and he does it right away like it's crazy. Um, I actually got a prophetic word. Sorry, we're getting off track here, but no, I got good. a prophetic word over him one time. Is that that Micah? Micah is the uh, he's the priest. He's like the orderly one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Judah is the wild like the wild worshiper in the wilderness. Yeah. And I got a word about how like they're they need each other. Yeah. Judah's got to teach Micah how to be wild and Micah's got to teach Judah how to be ordered. And yeah. I was like, Yeah, let's go. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Come that's, on, that's cool. That's really cool. That's really great. Yeah, um, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about him. Like he he's a thinker, but he likes order. He does. That's why he's gonna do what you told him to do, because mm-hmm. it brings order. Right. And you like those rules, you like those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then you've got one that's like yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. all about how he's feeling at that yeah. moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike is the one that comes in where it's like everything that he's wearing is like matching and like looks right. good. And yeah. then Judah, I'm like Judah, like, it's a Spider-Man costume, bro. We're going to church. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? So it's pretty That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty funny. He's a creative. Yeah, he is. So, which is funny because Micah's a, Micah is our artist. Like he's the yeah, one. Micah is, yeah, Micah's creative too. He legit will just, he'll go to his room and draw for hours. He'll like bring books to me. He made a book about World War Three the other day. He's like, "This is what." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my!" I know. I was like, oh, "This is not prophetic." Let's get him studying World War Two. I know <laughs> the greats. So oh, okay, goodness. so you said uh, appetite for truth. Algorithms. Cultivate that. Algorithms Abs- was the second one. Yeah, that's the second one. Yeah, appetite for truth. Anything you can do to to create the cultivate the appetite. And there's a lot of times our kids aren't going to want what we're dishing up, mm-hmm. right? So we've got to find a way to cultivate it um, and really pray and ask God to make that clear. And you can do that as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. You can do that as, a, as an aunt or uncle. Um, you can do that as a counselor. You know, you can always be creating appetite for truth in those young people that God has around you. Um, sometimes it's even playing out an idea all the way to its end mm-hmm. and seeing how destructive it can be if yeah. it's not rooted in, in the right framework, you know, so a framework for truth and appetite for truth, however you want to say it. Okay. The other thing is I said algorithm because 
in the day they're living in, and if they have any technology around them, they are being tracked. Right. And so everything they have interest in, if they have looked at it or searched for it, it creates an entire algorithm just for them Mm -hmm. that is going to be in front of them, front and center, every day, hours. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I have... I love my YouTube algorithm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I go in the YouTube and all of my favorite things Same. to look yeah, at right. are there and it's glorious, right? So imagine that with with your kids. We want them to uh, have the right appetites because that's going to shape their diet of information that's coming at them. Right. And so, you know, they're each going to have these algorithms with the world we're living in, but we want them to be the right ones. Mm -hmm. And so you have to start out with, with appetite because it, like I said, the algorithm is going to follow them. So, um, you know, you, you've said it before, we've heard it said multiple times that you look at the kind of people, you know, you're hanging around top five people that you're around the most. And it's going to tell you a lot about that person, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing to look at when you're trying to date somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But I'd say second to the company they keep is their algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good word. That's so true. What's their algorithm? Yeah. And then community. Man, that would reveal a lot about a person. Yeah. Social media algorithm, YouTube algorithm. Yeah. What you looking at? Yeah. What's going into your diet every day? That's true. So good. Well, and as parents, like knowing, when to pull the plug, like, yeah, you know, you, they're, you're the parent, they're in your home. And so like policing screen time, you know, policing, I, I you know, I'm not going to be, I know that it's rare that a family doesn't have any type of screen. You know, most, right, most exactly. families have screens. Yeah. Most families, your kids are going to watch movies. Your kids are going to be on YouTube. Your kids are going to whatever. And so, but you have to police that, you know, you've got to set up the blockers. You've got to, uh, you've got to watch, you know, our kids are only, they, they're only allowed to have screens in the living room, you know? And so like, we're, we're there, we're walking through, we're there all the time. And then policing what they watch, you know, yeah. my kids loved Mr. Beast. Like my boys loved Mr. Beast. Well, the guy that helped Mr. Beast build his empire came out yeah. not too long ago as trans. And so oh, we had like to Miss Rachel too. So out. we had to walk our boys through, like, hey, we're not watching that anymore. Yeah, you know. And he's like real positive, no language, no, not, yeah. not. He's not a Christian guy, but like, no, like everything's positive. Helps people, gives money away. Like in general, I would say no agenda. No agenda. Never had an agenda. Yeah. yeah. But now his buddies. It's because he was he built his whole thing on virality, mm-hmm. and he his whole thing is appealing to the, the most people as possible. Mm-hmm. And he, that's why he is the number one YouTuber yeah. in the world right now. But then his buddy yeah. decided to. Yeah. To transition. Transition. And so now we have, now we talk to our boys about like, we, you know, we can't watch Mr. Beast anymore. You know. Is there um, an alternative to that? My boys love Dude Perfect. Um, which is, they're, they're, they're Christian guys. Yeah. They're Christian guys. The and trick shot guys. Mm-hmm. And they do all kind of crazy. My boys were watching it this morning when I left the house. Like they, you know, they love that. And so, yeah, to find, I think to find a good alternative is always, is always great. Um, not just to tell your kids like, no, 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 exactly. no, but here's stuff that you can do. Yeah. But also like, so that's so good. Understanding, 
You know, your kids are going to, they'll quickly become addicted to video games or screens or whatever, but you have the power to turn that off. Yeah. See, what you're talking about is a whole brain function. Yeah. And we're learning more and more about dopamine. Yep. You know, I know Noah's been studying that a lot, but <laughs> understanding the, uh, what your brain gets addicted to, mm-hmm. and that is what's happening with these kids. They're addicted to that dopamine hit as soon as they start getting on technology and, and you as a parent needing to control that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and, and yeah. to be, I think sometimes parents don't know what to say or how to walk their kids through it, but we like let your kids know like, Hey, when you watch this stuff, like your brain releases, we let them know like your That's brain. That's so re- good. You should. So That's great. If you watch, we yeah. let them know if you watch too much of it, or if you play video games all day long, you're, this is what it's doing to your brain. It's not good for you. And so you need to get outside. You need to read a book. And so, and we just bought them a whole like, uh, Ted Decker, Christian author. Yeah. We're just, How do you like he, those? He wrote a whole series on dragons and they're yeah. loving it. Like they're, yeah. they're eating it up right now. What did you so. have? Kingdom series or something like that? Yeah. The kingdom series. Yeah. So finding Great stuff that stuff. your kids, you know, love. That's also like, it may be a fantasy novel, but it's also, it's got Christian themes yeah. all through oh, it. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, go, go out and use their imagination. Absolutely. You know, what if we started teaching some brain health in mm-hmm. our Christian schools? Mm-hmm. What if we started early in teaching them about how to manage themselves? And, and, and I say that because because this is all happening so fast right. that that parents We've don't know. We've been the know. guinea pigs, yeah, yeah. So we so what if we started really teaching them some of the new basics um, that we've learned now? We've got we've had that beautiful advantage of learning more about neuropathology and brain health and even diet. Mm-hmm. Well, we're so quick to learn that when it comes to drugs. When it, in school, when it comes, don't do drugs, kids. Like yep. when it comes to alcohol and drugs, I feel like that that is very fundamental. Like I can remember oh, passing sure. the public schools and the wrecked car is out in the front. Oh, yard, yeah. You know, and <laughs> the and, fake like setup scene. And then yeah. every once in a while, you know, your teacher would show you photos of someone who got addicted to meth and before they were addicted to oh, meth. Oh, sure. And, like, and so I'm thinking not just video games, but also I think like pornography addiction. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say porn is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. That is the big. That's yeah. a public health epidemic yeah. that parents don't want to deal with, and, and the effect on the brain, and dopamine, and all that. But even just and then marijuana. All of the, uh, yeah, marijuana. The, yeah, talking about the neurological effects. Of, we, of I'll, that. I'll shout out a book right now. But we do, we walk a, our kids through a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and it it's porn proofing your kids is what it's called. And so, and who's that by? I actually cannot remember the author, but it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Uh, Christian author. Um, I don't know who wrote it, but it, it basically teaches kids how to how to guard their eyes, mm-hmm. hearts, or their so they ears. Understand when they see something, it, yeah. and, it, and it's got a story about like a mom walking her kid through. Hey, you know, if you see somebody without clothes on, that's not a picture that's supposed to be looked at, and it gives scripture and why. And so it's it's really great. It's really good. And I I started doing that with Micah when he was probably seven or eight years old. That's Kristen great. Kristen A. Jensen. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know that. Who you should start at that age mm-hmm. because their uh, peers on the soccer fields, yep, absolutely, and on you know with sports, they're they're a lot of times by middle school are addicted to it. Yep, and they're talking about it, and you know I remember my kids sharing with me some conversations that were happening at school, you know when they were just fresh in the high school and how openly the pornography is talked about. And experienced, mm-hmm. and part of the, it's it's part of their world, their culture. Um, you know, parents don't want to believe that, uh, yeah. and it, it's tough because, you know, parents have a hard time making a transition of seeing their their sweet girls, uh, right. as, well, 
that's a whole different subject. Okay. Sure. But I, <laughs> yeah. I was, I had to work really hard at keeping the little girl in the little girl, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my, my little one and mm-hmm. that she wasn't, um, naturally she's going to want to wear something that's cute or whatever, but parents not understanding that the outside world is looking at that sexually. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to protect her and I don't want her to be operating out of fear, but teaching her uh, what is precious absolutely, and um, going about it in a good, healthy way. Um, when we live in just everything around our young women just creates insecurity and um, just helping her to feel confident. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's one we always were saying. Right. You Paul can. says everything is, benef- everything is permissible. That's right. And not everything is beneficial. That's another. That's yeah. <laughs> the biblical way of saying yeah, sure. that. Yeah. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so great. Man, we've been going. So family's the answer. Parents raise yeah. your kids. I feel like we could go do so many. Uh, we could. Uh, we covered so many topics in that. Mom just needs to come down here like every other weekend, just record podcasts. I'm so much better when I'm talking to somebody else. Thank you, Josh. When it's not just yourself. Uh, it's just finding somebody to go back and forth with, you know, that's that's in it like you are. You know, you're in it with these kids. You're in it every day. You're, you're telling them, you know, you need to do this, and you're living it out with especially community. I mean, I'd love to even talk about what it's like as an outsider to what you all are doing. Mm-hmm. And and what I see and how I talk about what you're doing back in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when we talk about community and Yeah. But it there's something else going on here that's very unique and every church has its issues. Sure. What I see that's talk, happening talk here. Talk up to the mic. Okay. What I see happening here is this beautiful coming together of the generations that most churches have not been able to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. I think that at yeah, your minister's conference or whatever, you could spend so much time and it would be well spent talking about how do we bring the generations together. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful what you have going on here. You have people who are in their season time phase of life who um, – who have the most resources probably than they've ever had mm-hmm. and and time. And they are committing it to the young people that y'all are bringing on board. And the way they have ministered to, to my kids, the way they've made themselves available, the way, you know, they come over, we'll make you, you know, we'll make you food. Right, yeah. We'll take you out. What do you need? We want to support you. And they're just a whole cheering section for the young adults that you're bringing through. Absolutely. And you've got leaders who are demonstrating that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the leaders set the culture for the entire organization. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're doing that. And and of course, you know, Paul is a spiritual father to Mm -hmm. so many, but last night after church, I mean, Miss Hetty is in her well into her nineties. <laughs> yeah. She's the last one to leave. She's yeah. talking to every young person in there, yeah. taking them out to lunch, taking them out to dinner, yeah. speaking into their lives. It's just a beautiful transmission that I see happening in this body that is unique and it shouldn't be, sure. but it's very beautiful. I love it. That's great. I think, I think one thing which a lot of people aren't, people will leave our church over this, but I, w- I want to say one thing that's contributed to it is that we don't do kids' church on Sunday morning. The whole family sits together. You know, we have nursery for little ones, but the whole family sits together. And so they grow up 
around older people, you know, they, and so that's like cultivated in them early on of like, we don't do church all separate. We do church together. I think that's beautiful, especially if you can really minister to dads to mm-hmm. help dads know mm-hmm. how to distill the message down yeah. to those kids yeah. and focus in on that. But again, another, another thing that blessed me so much when I uh, first brought, you know, we brought our kids here was uh, watching family prayer at the altar. Oh yeah. For sure. Gets me every time. I think uh, another thing too is what always has been my heart, and because I've always kind of seen myself as like one that's trying to bridge generations here. Mm-hmm. And so, like one thing that I try to harp on is for the younger generation is honor, 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 honor. Show yeah. your elders honor. Yeah. You know, show show the, the it's just show. Paul said, "Show the older men double honor." You know, yeah. and just teaching show them that the, the elders. You know, yeah. basically and then, treat them as if they're your own father. And then the other on the other yeah. ditch, I try to tell even even Tim and Paul, I try to tell them like, hey, you know, you got to watch your tone. You know, that's right. As a, you know, as a, a millennial, like, yeah. and I'm a, and I'm a little bit of an oddball of a millennial too. I'm not like your typical millennial, and uh, but I uh, but I know the way they think and I know the way that they feel, and so I've got to let them know like, hey, I know you're sharing truth, but like you're coming off really like a jerk right now and they're all going to leave. Yeah. And so like even helping the, so helping the younger generation honor and like eat the meat, spit out the bones. Like, yes, the, the tone wasn't nice, but like put on your big boy pants, you know, and then helping the older generation of like love, yeah. <laughs> like kindness, patience, right? Patience. Right. They're 20, you know, love. That's right. And so that's one. And I, and I think, I think churches need that. I think church, and I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but I think churches need guys who are, connected to the young adults and who are connected to the older ones and who are pulling both ways, I think, I think helps a lot. Can I just tell you as being in a generation older than you and just, just older than you, (laughs) you're doing, look, I just want you to look at my eyeballs. You're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. I am just ecstatic by how God is using you and the example of you're doing it. And, And it's absolutely wonderful. It's stunning. And I love talking about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Praise See, you don't you didn't even know that you're. <laughs> I, I was meeting with uh, some elders at a, a very prominent Baptist church in our state, and I was using this as an example, wow. and they were absolutely bewildered. That's awesome. They do what? <laughs> it, because they were so they were harping on all the differences. We just can't speak to these people. Mm-hmm. We just can't. They're doing this. They're doing that. Mm-hmm. And to give them a whole different framework of, mm-hmm. of how to look at this differently. Yeah, and and how it, it it comes from the culture. It's a culture change. Yeah, you know, but it comes from leadership. Praise the Lord. That's all. Awesome. So be encouraged by that, brother. I thank you. That's very encouraging. <laughs> I love it. All right, I think we need to bring it all to an end because we've been going for over an hour. That was a good ending. Right? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah. Okay. Josh, you want to pray out? Yeah, I can definitely. Pray. Yeah, we'll pray out. Lord, we're so thankful to you. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful, God, that we get the honor and the privilege of shining bright for you. Lord, even when it feels like we're surrounded, God, we see so many uh, faithful stories in your scriptures of those who were one against the thousands, one against the, I think of Micaiah in First Kings, one against the 400 prophets of God, that he was the real prophet. Uh, we see Elijah against all the prophets of Baal, 850 prophets of Baal and, and, and Asherah, Lord, and we're so thankful Uh, that we see these miraculous stories where you came in and you showed out and you changed a whole nation, you changed a whole culture. And Lord, you are the, you're that hope. You're the one that can come in and change everything. You're just looking for a man, 
or a woman who will stand in the gap, who will intercede, who will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, and that you come and will heal their land. God, may we be those people. We say, like Isaiah, here we are, Lord, send us, God. We want to do what you've called us to do from the from the pastors in ministry, from the legislators uh, uh, in government, Lord, to the to the ones who are working nine to five jobs, to the to the stay at home moms. Um, God, we we want to be salt and light in our culture. God, uh, we ask that you would give parents wisdom. We ask that you would give us wisdom and how to train the next generation, how to lead our kids up in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. We need your supernatural wisdom. Lord, show us how we can stir up that appetite um, for truth in our kids. And uh, Lord, just teach us how to train. Yes, we need Jesus. your help, God. We cannot do this without you, Lord. We ask that you would come and just heal our land, send revival to our land. Show us how we can be a part of ushering your kingdom in and that uh, we would cause your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's fun, fun. Good. I appreciate you coming and doing yeah. it.